So if you have your Bibles, open them with me, uh, starting in Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23, uh, and starting at verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Do not gaze at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me up, but I don't feel it. When, I, when will I wake up so I can find another drink? That's, um, <laughs> you know, that's an, <laughs> wow. That's quite a scripture. And it's one that I hadn't heard before. And, you know, the interesting thing is, if you keep reading, now, if you've, if you've taken my, uh, my class at GNU, I mentioned it before, called hermeneutics, which is basically, um, in, 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 in a nutshell, the study of Bible interpretation. And what you have to know is the Bible, that the way that we see it divided in chapters and verses, that's not how the original manuscripts were. They were added later on. They were added for, um, just for ease of reading. Uh, to make it easier so you can kind of like, um, exactly stuff. Yeah. So, so it's just easier to find verses kind of like, um, if you have like a Bible reading plan, you're like, okay, I'm going to read, um, some chapters here and there, but you have to be careful and make sure, um, that you don't just like, you know, maybe read a chapter and then don't read what's before it or after a surefire way to misunderstand scripture is to look at things isolated right is to look at things not not looking at the context before or after not looking at other verses not understanding what the whole book is about not understanding the 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 uh, intention of the author not understanding who his audience was uh, what their situation was what their culture was um oh uh, this isn't a, her a hermeneutics class but there you go there's there's the intro for it um and it, it, there's so much to it and so the funny thing is when you, it, right away, so this was, this was uh, Proverbs 23, and the, 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 the next verse, which is Proverbs 24, 1 says, Do not envy wicked men, do not desire their company, for their hearts plot violence, and their lips talk about making trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it's established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures, and it, it keeps, it goes on, um, to talk more about wisdom, um, and, and it's just, it's interesting, um, how those scriptures kind of follow each other. Now, if, so I, 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 I took out the notes from that portion of scripture that, that I read in Proverbs 23. And so I'm going to read the notes. Um, it says the Hebrew word for wine in verse 30 means juice that is pressed out of the grapes. And the Hebrew word for mixed wine refers to when it becomes intoxicating, which is then forbidden to drink. Okay, now I'm going to stop there for one second, and I'm going to go to another scripture. And then I'm kind of going to come back to this subject. 
Okay, well, I mean, not the subject, but this this particular in understanding what that all means and talking about mixed wine, talking about how um, intoxicating and not intoxicating. Okay, so let me go to numbers. And this was when I spoke about uh, um, that there was a pastor that I heard that preached about this and explained why he didn't drink. Um, he read this scripture. And when I went to do my own reading and to read about it, I mean, it, it, it blew me away. And I'm going to explain why that happened. So let's go to Numbers chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, If a man or woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of separation to the Lord as a Nazarite, he must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or from other fermented drink. He must not drink juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as he is a Nazarite, he must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. Sheba, I will answer that question. Don't get ahead of me. Like that was that question. That's probably like the first thing. Um, the first thing that we answer, um, which I will answer it. So talking about that Nazarite vow, now, now the, uh, we're talking about the, the Hebrew, so, so this vow was basically a decision and desire of a person to yield themselves to God completely. So the Hebrew word means to be separated or consecrated. Now there's a lot of other things also that they're forbidden from doing. And one of the things is cutting their hair. And so people will say, well, well, you cut your hair, don't you? So here, here's the thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of refer back to, um, the hermeneutics of it. Okay. Cause this is important. Um, um, not so, so not cutting hair. Uh, it was a cultural custom. Okay. It wasn't universal everywhere. Um, and so actually I wrote, I wrote this specifically. So, so remember this. Uh, if, if ever there's a subject and I don't know where I wrote it, where did I write it down? Ah, right here. Okay. So for cutting hair, this was a cultural specific command rather than a timeless truth. So, because again, people will, <laughs> people have the tendency to, they just really want to do what they want to do. So they're going to find every, um, possible scripture to support their existing opinion. And I understand that. So the whole hair cutting thing, it could be confusing, but you have to understand that that was culturally specific rather than a timeless truth. And if you're looking at, um, so, you know, in, in, in first, it's in first Corinthians and in Galatians five, you know, there's lists of, of all the different things that if you do these things, you, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Hair cutting, not on the list. Drunkenness on the list. So, there's obviously something to be said um, for, for drinking alcohol, specifically the intoxicating kind that was referenced in Proverbs in that, in that passage I read. Now, we also have John the Baptist, uh, found in Luke chapter 1. Uh, let me read it. Because now, since I realize I have no choice but to make this two parts, I'm, I'm going to read all of these things. Um it's important to set the context of it and set the stage of it um so luke chapter one where did i have it 
I got like a million notes. Verse 13. It says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. What does that remind you of? Reminds you of Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. John the Baptist, he was set apart, right? He was set apart uh, before he was even born and saying he's not going to drink. He's never, he is never to take wine or other fermented drinks. Friends, I'm going to tell you this because we're getting to the end of, of this first part already. And so I'm going to tell you why that scripture in, in Numbers resounded so much with me. And also with, with John the Baptist, Samson was the same thing. He was not to, 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 to drink. Samuel was the same thing. He was not to drink when he was dedicated to the Lord. Why? Why is this? Because there are... There's... <laughs> There is a standard here. I hold myself to a different standard. When I say I want to be set apart and consecrated for the Lord, I have no interest in anything that would even remotely get in the way of my consecration to the Lord. I have no interest in anything that could possibly lead me down a path that I don't want to go. And, and you know, when I told you, um, that my friends in Bible school, that all of the ones who ran to the bar at first opportunity, that none of them are saved. Well, that's not a coincidence. It's really not. And, and I'm, I'm not telling you now that you're going to hell because you had a glass of wine. If you think that I'm saying that, you have not listened to any of the 43 minutes before this. It means you have not heard a word that I have said. And go back and listen again. Because I, I am not saying that. What I'm saying is there were the, the Nazarite vow. They said, I am going to set myself apart. I am going to yield my life completely to the Lord. And if yielding your life completely to the Lord means that you don't drink, why are we drinking? Why? If, if, if biblically speaking, to set apart yourself for the Lord, you don't touch any sort of alcoholic drink, how, how can you tell me it, it, that it's justified in any way? And again, the Bible's clear, not intoxicating kind, not to be drunk. So if you have a glass of wine with your pasta, you're not going to hell for it. And I never said that. Again, listen to the first 44 minutes of this. And I, the, my introduction, introduction was like a half hour. Because I wanted to make it extremely clear where I'm coming from with this teaching. And like I said, there were people who, who said, I want to hear about this. I want to know about this. I want to learn more about this. And I obliged. I said, okay. Because I, I'm very passionate about this, as you can see. Because if there's something in the Word... <laughs> oh, Sheba. If there's something in the Word... That it's basically saying, okay, if you want to consecrate yourself to the Lord, don't do this. 
And again, I understand the haircutting thing. And I explained what that was. I explained that it was a cultural thing. I explained that, that, that it, it, it's, it's the warnings regarding drinking are like everywhere. Okay. I just want to make that clear. Um, like I said, when you when I read the list of, of, of sinful behavior in, in, in first Corinthians six or Galatians five, I don't see hairdressers in there. I don't see barbers in there. I don't see people with a razor in there, but specifically drunkenness, wild parties, carousing, debauchery, all these. Listen, I, I like sports and there was a football player. Um, they should blow your mind, Steph. There was a football player, super talented kid, really talented, um, young. I think he was like 22 or 23. He was going to be a star. He drank a little too much, got behind the wheel of a car, hit somebody and killed them. He's in jail. His football career is over. Why? Because he took a drink. I don't, and I'm going to get to when Paul tells Timothy to drink for his stomach, by the way, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to everything. Obviously not this week, but I will get to it. There is nothing good. And I mean nothing that comes from taking a drink. And biblically speaking, it is so warned against. I'm sure the Raiders were probably still taken. But his, his life is, um, his life's over because it, it impairs your ability. What, what does First Peter 5 say? Be sober-minded. Your mind needs to be clear. You can't have anything that is, what did it say in, the, in Proverbs? I read it to you about what, what alcohol does to your mind. It makes you, you know, see things. It makes you, who, it, it's just, I'm not going to read it again because I want to get to a few more things. You know, and, and, I'm, and again, this is, this is biblically speaking. It's not my opinion. I didn't even always have this opinion. I was forced to change my opinion when I realized, hey, I've made a decision to dedicate myself to the Lord in the ministry, why, why would I not take the advice of people who took a vow and decided I am not ever going to put this drink to my lips. And I made that decision that day when I, when I heard that and I read the story and I, and I read all about it. And I said, not only is it not touching my lips, it's not allowed in my house and I don't want it anywhere near me. And, and, I'm, and, and if we go out to a restaurant and you order a beer, no, I, I, my skin will crawl. I won't say anything to you because it's not my business, but my skin will crawl because I hate the sight of it. I hate the smell of it because if it didn't matter, there wouldn't be this many warnings. There is a lot of warnings about it. A lot. Stay away from drunkards. Stay away. And again, well, you know, in moderation, but why do you even want it? What does it do for you? I'm going to get to that stuff. What, for what? Because again, I made a decision and I said, I'm setting myself apart. I don't care about the standards of the world. I don't care about my Italian culture. I don't care what my nonno says. I don't care what anybody says. This is a decision that I made based on the word. If it's good for John the Baptist and for Samson and for Samuel, and we know what happened to Samson. You know, the, 
I'm not, again, not naming, I can't, I, I don't name names, but the, the Bible school I went to, which used to be an amazing place and an amazing church, it's not the same as it used to be. And there was a scandal with the pastor and what happened? He was drinking and he lost everything. Back when I was there, the pastor certainly didn't drink. I don't know what happened along the line. He lost everything now. Because it, it, it messes with your mind. Even, even the world, the world that promotes any, every single kind of sin and evil behavior and, and everything that you could think of that's terrible, even they tell you, hey, you know, slow down in moderation, you know, and then we have Alcoholics Anonymous for you just in case. That's the world system. How much more should we lock into God's system? And according to God's system, if you want to be set apart for the Lord, you do not allow strong drink to touch your lips. Let me read a little bit more. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start. I, there's only a few minutes left, but I, but I do want to get into this before we go. By the way, the concept of being set apart, there's a parallel. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, when Paul talks about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. So if you're saying, well, that's Old Testament. There, that, that's the parallel. When, when Paul talks about, you know, setting yourselves apart for the Lord. Um, that's, that's the same kind of thing, uh, similar to that, that Nazarite vow. Um, let me just read what Loretta said. She says, why would you want to take a chance of doing anything that might keep it from the presence of God. But the, and that's the thing. It's not, it's not necessary for life. It doesn't even taste good. It tastes disgusting. And then you smell after. And, you know, I don't get it. I don't get it. But, but, and I'm not trying to convince anybody here. I am telling you why I have the position that I have according to what I know from the word. So, yeah. So, so Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 12. Let me just read... I'm going to read the whole thing um, because it's important to see that that parallel and understanding that I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. Don't, there, don't allow anything that could even potentially alter your judgment in any way. Um, that, that could alter your, your, your ability to make decisions, your ability to do things. Like that, that football player, why did he get, because he wasn't in his right mind. Uh, uh, Delphine says, ultimately anything God asks us to do or not to do is for our benefit. A hundred percent, because it doesn't benefit you. It just simply doesn't. And again, I'm going to get to the stomach thing with, with Timothy. I will get to that probably next week. Um, but I, I will. Let's do the Jesus water into wine thing. Agreed, Steph. Let's, let's do the water, water into wine. Um, so first of all, let, let me just say this. Eve... <laughs> And Evangelist Jonathan always says this, and it makes me laugh. He said, you know, people who use the water into wine, and he said, if you could turn on your tap and wine comes out of it, 
then go ahead and drink all of it. But until then, <laughs> you know, that was a miracle that Jesus was showing for a purpose. But let me read. Um, so these are some notes. It's not my notes. It's from a, a, someone much smarter than me. Because again, this is not my opinion. Um, one of the mo- Listen to this. One of the most common misconceptions surrounding the word wine as it is used in the Bible is in thinking that it always refers to a fermented beverage. What did it say in number six? Let me go back there. You know what also is in number six? If you keep reading number six, you get to the, um, the priestly blessing. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard it before. It's quite an interesting blessing. I feel like, I feel like I, maybe it was like one of the first times I've ever heard it. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. I don't know. Have we ever heard that before? It's a nice blessing. It's a nice blessing. We should probably, uh, we should probably talk about that more because it's a, it's a great blessing. It really is. Um, so, so, so what does it say again? Num- number six. This is just because it's in number six. So I thought it was... Um, uh, not drink vinegar made from wine or from other fermented drink. Okay. So again, the misconception thinking that it refers to a fermented beverage. The truth is that the term wine, (laughs) maybe we should sing it every week, Lisa. I think that's a great idea. Um, (laughs) um, uh, refers to a fermented beverage. This is somewhat understandable, since in our day and age, wine exclusively refers to an alcoholic drink. The truth is that the term wine, as used in the Bible, can refer to a fermented or unfermented beverage depending on the context. It can refer to either the fresh juice of the grape to be enjoyed as a blessing from God, or as a beverage warned against by God that can cause intoxication. So... Listen to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 8. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and one says, do not destroy it, for there is benefit in it. So I will act on behalf of my servants in order to not destroy them all. So the note attached to this, the passage clearly describes wine as the fresh juice of the grape, as it exists in the cluster, and therefore unfermented. This kind of wine is not uh, an intoxicant or a drug, but a blessing from God. And according to the notes that I've read, this is what Jesus turned the water into an unfermented, um, juice. Okay. Now take that. You, you do what you want with that. You do what you want with that. And I'm going to read one more thing before I pray. Um, since wine of the Bible can refer to both fermented and unfermented beverages. We must be careful not to assume alcoholic content in every context where the term wine is employed and attempt to use that as justification for drinking alcohol today. This is particularly true when we consider the fact that the wine of today is distilled and much higher in alcoholic content than even the strongest drink of biblical days. So just, I think that's an important little bit. Guys, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I love the word of God. It's an instruction for life. Everything we need is right here. 
And so my prayer for you tonight, as we finish this part one, which will be a part two and maybe a part three, um, is that you consider everything um, with the spirit, you know, that you allow the spirit to be your guide. That you don't, we don't look at the word through our, through our, 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 our humanistic fleshly eyes because we're not going to, you know, you're not going to see things the way that God intends. We have to, to, to view everything in the light of the spirit. We, we view everything, like, like I said in the beginning, that there's a responsibility to teach the full counsel of the word of God, everything, even the stuff that you don't like. And, and you know, like I said, I, I didn't always take this position. This was something that happened later in life when I realized, man, I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I thought it wasn't a big deal. I was wrong because according to the word, it's a very big deal. Um, and so we have to, so yeah, you exactly Loretta, you let the spirit guide all your decisions and, and you, you have to, to view this, not through your own preferences, because your own preferences can be based on all kinds of different things, how you were raised, uh, what your culture is, what your worldview is, what your own experiences are and getting into the hermeneutics again, but it is important. Um, so you should come to GNU and that way you can take the class yourself. And learn all of this stuff, um, you know, and, and so your, your own personal preferences can come from a variety of places. And a lot of the time, it's not according to what the scripture says. You just maybe think, well, you know, but I heard this and, you know, but it says this is, oh, as long as we don't get drunk, it's okay. Yeah, that you're not going to, if you, like I said, if you have a glass of wine, you're not going to go to hell. But the point is the decision that I made for myself is that I want everything possible that I can get out of the word. I want to do everything possible that I can do for the Lord. And if that means setting myself apart, like it says in Romans 12, as a living sacrifice, then that's what I'll do. Because anything that I might have to sacrifice, and it's really not a big sacrifice, not for me. And it might be for some people. And that's why I was very careful. That's why I did a 30-minute introduction. So that you can understand, I, I wanted to make sure, I, I hope, guys, I hope that I made it as clear as I could and I hope that I, I, I expressed it in the best way possible because for some people, it might not be easy. But listen, you're not on your own anyways. You have the Spirit of God operating on the inside of you, empowering you. That's what the grace of... <laughs> I'm sorry, Steph. That's right, Auntie Julia. Agreed. Um, it's just, there's... <sighs> You don't want to go down that path. And that could be said of a lot of things. That can be said of a lot of things. But for, the, for, the, uh, for this particular subject, this is what we're talking about. Because I want, I want to set myself apart. I don't want to be a, a person that's a slave to the culture that I grew up in. To a slave of the culture that's all around me. I have no interest in that. I have n nothing. Nothing. There's no part of me that says... Well, you know, um, it's not that big a deal, so I'm just going to do it. According to who? According to who? And so my, my prayer for you all is that, um, like I said, that you, you, you prayerfully consider this. And you say, where's the Spirit leading me? Not according to what I, you know, to maybe something that I thought was, was true. But no, according to what the Word of God says. And by the way, continuing in that passage in Romans 12, it says, um, think of yourself with sober judgment. Again, that word sober, right? 
because you don't want anything, you know, it, it gets your inhibitions down. People get loose. And I mean, how many stories? Because again, I follow sports and I love sports. But man, how many stories started with he had too much to drink. He gets violent when he drinks. Um, you know, it's clear-minded stuff. Nothing, no substance inhibiting your ability to think and your ability to make decisions. Um, so many times. And these guys, they end up losing everything. Well, football in particular is very forgiving usually. But, you know, how many times does it start? Even pastors and ministers. How does it start? We had a drink. I invited her, you know, I shouldn't have gone into a room. We had a couple of drinks. It's destructive. Let's make a decision to stay on the path that God has for us. And even if, guys, even if it's like one glass, no big deal. Why do you want it anyways? If, if I just showed you how various people in the word were, were set apart from birth, all of them. They were basically, we just saw a baby dedication yesterday. They were dedicated to the Lord. And the first thing said, no strong intoxicating drink will touch their lips. And if it's important for them, for, for men and women of God set apart, it, it's important for me. It's important. Um... No, Steph, I gotta, I gotta wrap it up because I got a great game for tonight. So let's pray. And this is going to go into part two next week. Um, and I, I think I should be able to, to, to finish in, in one part and in another, sorry, in a, in a second part, but, but, uh, let's pray because in my prayer, um, let's pray. Father, I, I, I extend a prayer for anybody who might be listening to this, who might be watching this, maybe listening to it later. And this is an issue of struggle for them. Father, um, we know that through the power of the Spirit, anything is possible. We know that, that, that through the power, that, that, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that operates on the inside of us, that we are overcomers, that we can have the victory even over things that seem so difficult, that seem to have a grip on us. Father, if there's anyone out there that, that, that there's an issue that they're struggling with, that they feel like there's a grip on their life, that they can't shake it. Father, I pray that you would remind them that they are men and women created in the image of God, that they're set apart to be holy. Let our desire to be holy, not to do anything that could even remotely get us close to a path that we don't want to be on. That's why you warn us in your word. That's why you teach us from your word so that we know and can understand and can have the godly wisdom to live life the best way that we possibly can. So Father, I, 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 I pray for, for anyone who might be struggling tonight, for anyone who is going to say, well, it's not an issue for me, but it is for you, but it is for me, and it's difficult for me, and, and, and I understand that. And Father, you understand that, and you know that this is not easy for everybody to deal with. So Father, I pray that you would allow your spirit to transform them from the inside out, to take a taste for alcohol out of their lips, that even if they smell it, they become disgusted, that it makes their stomach turn, like Lisa said, that she can't even look at it anymore, that she has no desire for it anymore. Take that desire out of us in Jesus' name. 
And I, and I pray that, that as we listen to these kinds of teachings, that we won't look at it as, as, as take it ever in offense, but understand that the word exists to teach us, to guide us, to, to bring us about in the, walking in the way that we should go. Thank you, Lord. I praise you, God, for, for the great transforming power that you give to us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.